Howdy ho, it's a, another episode of Behind the Vinyl. This is Nicholas and I'm joined by the uh, Australian guy. Hello, Swedish guy. Yes. Uh, and today we're doing, um, for me, one of those classic 80s records from a band that I think a lot of people hated back then. Uh, and I think a lot of people still yeah. do hate. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And I think this band in general. A lot of people are not overly, uh, you know, when you think 80s or you talk 80s, it's often 80s glam. It's yep. Guns N' Roses, yep. uh, Motley Crue, yep. uh, maybe a little bit of, of Quiet Riot even, sure. or a little bit of uh, yeah. LA Guns. Yeah. But Poison kind of, uh, <laughs> Poison falls lower down the scale for a lot of people. They do. I remember even back then that there were rumors flying around that they didn't play Really, you know, they didn't know how to play and they were shitty musicians and yeah. blah, blah, blah and all that. Well, you know, I, I kind of think in a way they are. Some of them are shitty musicians. <laughs> uh, Probably, yeah. yeah. And I'll contradict myself a little bit during the night, but um, um, I was watching a thing from Australian TV the other day and um, Brett Michaels and Cece DeVille, you know, they guested on Hey, Hey, It's Saturday. It's the show. You okay. can check it out on YouTube. Right. <clears throat> and they get up at the end of the interview and they play a song with the band, you know, like the the TV show. Oh, band. okay, yeah, yeah. And Cece, man, is so bad, you know, <laughs> so bad. But um, that's just fascinating. But but the record we're talking about is "Look What the Cat Dragged In," uh, released. Um, uh, what is it? Second of August, nineteen eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. It predates. Yeah. Um, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh first time I saw I think the first time I heard or read about Poison was in Kerrang. They had like um two pages and um the story was called something like Toxic Shock or something like that. And me and my buddy we read that one and thought they looked really, really cool. And they kinda looked like girls. Uh, and Especially then we, on the cover of this y- album Absolutely And then we heard a couple songs Which must have been on, from Swedish radio or something uh, Or we saw it on MTV And um, I remember buying that album Straight after I heard the first song um, Went into uh, Helsing Boy And uh, a really cool record store there Bought it right away And we were just standing there looking at that cover and kind of also, I mean, back then I was 15, kind of wondering, for real, are these girls or are they guys? Yeah. Because they, they had so much makeup on, it was just nuts. I, I think from that cover too, Brett Michaels really looked like a girl. Oh, he does. You know, yeah. Looked. Definitely. Know, on, on, on the nicer side of a girl. Some of the other ones here are like pretty fucking <laughs> ugly girls, if they were to be girls. Yeah. But Brett Michaels was like... Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that's sure. the one where you were uh, sure. You know, you're flip flopping. Yeah. yeah. Is it or isn't it? No. True. <clears throat> but this, this in this in its entirety is a little bit of a um, uh, a controversial behind the vinyl for us because originally we mentioned it. Let's do a poison one. Yeah. And we were a bit like, eh. well, I was a bit like, eh, yeah, maybe. And then we decided to do open up and say, ah, they're following, right, yeah, yeah, which has exactly. the hits of. You know, every rose has his thorn, fallen yeah. angel. Nothing, nothing but a good time. time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then we decided, what, yesterday? No, no, no. Oh, the day before. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's do open up and say, oh. yeah. and, uh, and and let's do a look what the cat dragged in. And I think I'm the same with you. This album, when it come out, 
I I loved. I loved every yeah. single song on it. I liked. I liked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it. I liked it from the get go. I loved it from the get go. Uh, every single song, and also back then, that was a time when you know I didn't really buy that many new records because I didn't have the money for it. Yeah. Um. So I bought this one, and um, you know, it it stayed on my turntable for months. I just played it over and over and over again, and uh, loved every song. It was kind of um, you know. A bit more street than say, open up and say, ah, oh, which was way more polished, and very commercial. Polished. Yeah. But this one is kind of you know, I I like the sound to it. It had a I don't know a bit of a punk attitude to it, even though they looked like girls. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. Still and, like it. And and this is always we're going to play a song in a sec, but um, this is also a record, or this was a band in the beginning that no one would sign. Yeah, yeah. Everyone turned this band yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, this was at the the peak of of the the LA glam scene. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, Motley Crue selling millions of records. LA Gun selling millions yeah. of records. Quiet Riot selling millions of yes. records. Uh, Rats selling millions of records. Van Halen selling millions yeah. of records. So, you know, it's quite surprising that no one would sign. You know, yeah, sign this band considering what they put out you know the quality of what this album really is absolutely and 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 not being an la band from the beginning they came from pennsylvania absolutely something called mechanicsburg which sounds made up yeah three uh, three quarters of them coming from pennsylvania yeah exactly and they were called paris uh in the beginning and then they changed it i learned today apparently because they there was a song by the band kicks on their first album called poison kicks kicks if anyone doesn't know go and check them out and Great band, <laughs> great band, and Another also band. the lead singer, yeah, um, Steve Whiteman, exactly is the well was the vocal coach for Lizzie Hale, exactly, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. It's really cool. Um, let's play a song. This is the opening track from uh, from the record. Um, great, great song. Uh, it's called Cry Tough. Yes, um, also Cry Tough, because I interviewed Rick Browdy, who was the producer of the album. It says he's the producer of the album. And he said that the song Cry Tough uh, was actually written by him and some <clears throat> German musician. Well, did you know, and, and I'd never heard that. You just mentioned to, yeah. to me while the song was playing that yeah. that, that was the case. Um, I, I wouldn't dispute that. Do you, do you know much about, about Rick? Uh, well, I mean, he comes across as quite the character and I guess you have to, uh, you know, take it for what it is. Yeah. He probably spices up his stories, but, um. Well, you, you knew he used to write music for porn movies. Exactly. Yeah. He, he was involved in Ted Nugent, some Ted Nugent records. Oh yeah. He First did... Wasp album. 
okay, uh, first. first, and he produced the first uh, Faster Pussycat Faster album. Faster Pussycat. So I think he wrote some songs on that. Oh, as he did. Well. He wrote then he some songs with, with Joan Jett. Exactly. Um, she was just smoking weed all the time, apparently. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> uh, who else did he work with? Then, he, then he he did stuff for like Dogs Day More. And, he did, um, and he, he actually said that uh, one of the guys in Dogs Day More, I can't remember which one, if it, if it's Bam. Right. Uh, is the uh, smartest guy he's ever met. It was like a Leonardo da Vinci when it came to music and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still in touch with him, apparently. Okay. Actually, there's some dogs stuff I actually really liked. I never got into dogs anymore. A friend of mine got really hooked on Thailand, that whole thing. It wasn't right. really my thing. But, right. you know, they're, they're a cool band. Yeah, absolutely. When, but when the I thing was, with... Uh, when I was working at, at this pub in London, living and working and kind of co-running running this pub in, in England we had Tyler come one day and uh, play just in the pub okay he, he was having a rough time so we needed some coin so <laughs> of we course. literally just come and played <laughs> I went to one of his art shows here in Stockholm like oh, many he, many years ago he, he obviously does all the art for the album sleeves and I yeah. actually really like his oh, art they look really cool yeah. they look really cool I'm guessing Dragon was there yeah, <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> way back <clears throat> No, but the thing with Poison was that there, there were all these rumors about them not writing their own music. And, of course, there's the, the well-known story of the, the song I Want Action, which they stole from the Swedish band Easy Action. Yep. And it was said a lot of court and, and so on. But Rick Browdy also mentioned that uh, that actually happened several times uh, with songs, that right. Poison didn't write them, and then they said a lot of court with some guy that actually wrote the song. So, I don't know. No, that's interesting. So. Yeah, so let's go back to their 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 formation. Obviously, they formed in Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, Brett and Ricky Rocket had a band called the Spectres. I think that exactly. Called, yeah, um, back in the beginning, um, and then they went on to form Paris. Yep. Um, but that had Bobby Bobby Dahl, the right. bass player. Yep. So collectively, um, collectively, Poison from that stage on. They jumped in a car. I think they were like 19 or something like that. Something like that. Because they they, they moved to LA in 1983. Gotcha. And the guitar player went back home for whatever reason. Yep. And then they started auditioning guitar players. Um, And from what I understand, they auditioned a a ton of guitar players. Like over 50 guitar players. Yeah. So crazy. One of them being... Slash, of course. Slash, of course. You know? And that that I've heard on a couple of occasions... You know the reason why he didn't get the gig and and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that the most common one being that he didn't really like the whole you know the whole makeup glam thing that they were going for and all that. And and then I just listened to this interview with Ricky Rocket where he said that yeah, Slash was really pissed off that he didn't get the gig. And I'm just mm, I don't know. You know, makes for a good story, I guess. Yeah, it makes for a good story, <laughs> <coughs> considering he's probably the most famous uh, yeah guitar player in the yeah. world. But there's also, I remember that with the whole glam thing, because then there was, I mean, Guns N' Roses went through a phase, I guess it was just like for a couple of weeks, but there's pictures of like Slash and Steven Adler all dolled up in like... Definitely, kind of looking like the fifth and sixth members of Twisted Sister. Absolutely, oh, yeah, yeah, true, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, lots of makeup on the... Yeah. the um, but I, I also heard when it comes to Poison, it was down to shoes as well. Okay. <laughs> when they also looked at his shoes and he was wearing cons or something like that. All right, like, yeah. Well, you can't wear that. And he was kind of like, fuck you. That's that's what I heard. You yeah. Know, a kind of extension of that. Yeah. He didn't like the way they dress. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's probably, you know, 
That makes sense in a way. Yeah. I just got to say, there, there's a really cool clip. You can find it on YouTube um, with Poison, which is before they get signed, and it's not with CC DeVille. I think it's with, with the other guitar player, Matt Smith, or whatever his name is, from local TV, public access in L.A., where they're doing Rock Like a Rocker, original song. Right. Uh, right now. <laughs> and it's just hilarious to watch. Uh, they're jumping around, you know, really going for it, and it's so bad. So bad. But uh, fun thing. Very cool. Hey, uh, let's play play a song for, for everyone out there. Um, this is called I Want Action. Obviously, uh, one of the stolen songs we talked about. <laughs> the one from Easy Action. I want action tonight. Satisfaction all night. That was I want action. Um, so where were we? So, well, they get they they get together. I guess they they were one of those bands. I remember hearing that as well from interviews with the band that they were one of those bands that went up and down Sunset Strip, just posting their flyers everywhere. I, you know what? I think they were that band that worked their ass off. Yeah, Guns and Roses, not so much. No, they were just you know they yeah. were living the life. Yeah. And they were the crazy ones. Absolutely, uh, Motley Crue kind of, kind of living the life as well. Yeah. But um, but I think these are one of the bands. Poison, one of the bands that really yeah. did the whole flyering thing. Absolutely, and uh, you know, postering. You know, yeah, and tearing down other bands' flyers and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. But um, but then they got they got together with Rick Browdy as a producer, and they didn't have much money. And it says that the uh, the uh, the album cost around twenty three thousand dollars back in nineteen eighty six, which I checked is about fifty three thousand dollars today. Right. Okay. Still a fair amount of money. Um. I guess. Yeah, know. but not to make a record. No, probably not. not. To make a record. Probably yeah. not. And the thing was that uh, Rick Browdy also said that that getting a studio was really expensive back then, and he found out that uh, Stevie Nicks had. I don't know if it's her studio or was her studio called Music Grinder right. in LA, but she had that studio on constant uh, call or whatever you, you want to call it. Right, yeah. Uh, that she, you know, whenever she wanted, she could go there and record it. But at the time, she was totally coked out. And the studio manager or whatever said that, well, you know, if she comes in, you know, you have to leave and she has to record. Uh, but you know, as long as she's not here, you can uh, you can record, and that's what they did in twelve days, and cut the album. That Correct. was it. Amazing. And then I I also I heard Ricky Rocket saying that they actually recorded the whole album twice. Once with Rick Browdy, they didn't like it, and the second time was with uh, this guy called Jim Ferracci, who was the engineer of the album. Uh, and they liked what he did with the album. So I guess that's the version that's out there. I have no idea. Right. But, um, no, it's a cool thing. Yeah, very cool thing. Very interesting. <clears throat> um, before we go into another song, um, I, I just want to throw this out there. This this album is really guitar-heavy. Yeah, it is. You know, 
and as is open up and say ah. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I can't remember being as guitar heavy as what it is. Uh, you know, the guitars no. are at the forefront, really riffy. Yeah. You know, really, uh, <clears throat> really chunky. And I can remember the guitar, the uh, the guitars in some of the the video clips. Yeah. Uh, Talk dirty to me. Oh yeah, yeah. I want action stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I can I can clearly remember. I think. Um, let me just have a quick scan here. CC Deville always had these ugly guitars. Yeah, these ugly <laughs> guitars, but uh, Talk Dirty to Me was the second single from the record, right? Right, yeah. But but by then, I can remember on the video clip, it's quite fascinating, and he had so many guitars. Yeah. The kind of the camera... Oh, yes. Went True. Down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember and that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a debut album. Yep. Second single. Yep. And... There was just so many yeah. CC Deville guitars. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not like he just borrowed them in. No. They're all painted different colors yeah. and painted True. poisonish, True. You know, True. day glow green and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I can just remember him and throwing them. That's kind of like yeah. probably one of the first times I saw someone just <laughs> throw play a couple of hours. <laughs> and throw throw guitar, yeah. The air. Yeah. I was like, fuck, what are you doing? <clears throat> but um, very, very colorful, very colorful videos. Yeah, and I think that as well, as you mentioned, like Motley Crue and... Quiet Riot and and Rat and all those bands, they had a different attitude. Also, I yep. think when you watch those videos with Poison, like I Went Action and Talk Dirty to Me, they were more like you know it all seemed about seen about having. It wasn't serious. It was just having fun. The whole party thing and the makeup and the hair, and they really went for that that thing. Yeah, uh, compared to the other bands around that time. You know, yeah, and you know, when we all know the story, like Guns N' Roses survived on strippers and all that kind of yep. stuff. And Poison was that band as well. Yeah, Poison survived on the handouts of strippers. Yeah, you know, feeding them and taking them in and letting them sleep yeah. on their yeah. sofas or whatever like that. Yeah, and and I don't know how much we want to go into this, but the whole no, I wouldn't call it a groupie scene. I'd just call it a hedonistic, very, very. Free love kind yeah. of eighty yeah. scene. Yeah, Poison are probably at the forefront of that. True, I would say more so than Motley Crue. Yeah, <clears throat> because um, more so than Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Guns N' Roses was all about the band and the music, right? Yeah, but they live that with the strippers and Absolutely. all that kind of stuff as well. Absolutely. Likewise with Motley Crue, but Poison were it was at the forefront. Yeah, it was all about the girls, and they all you know it was heavily documented how they had a black book for every. <laughs> Exactly. You know, every, every town they yeah. went to, every city they yeah. went to, oh yeah, they'd call the girls that they knew there. Yeah. Um, the yeah. videos were all about it. The songs were all about it. That was really at the forefront. Yeah, it was we all had, about the, Pretty Boy Brett. Pretty Boy Brett, all about picking up the girls. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I and think the so girls too. loved it as well. Absolutely, I think this is. Um, yeah, I think you you have to mention that as well. That I think you know, it was all. Well, it seemed like all in in good fun, and I don't think the anyone was um, getting hurt by that thing. You know, that was the whole scene. Girls wanted to be with the band, and the band wanted to be with the girls, and Absolutely. you know, whatever. Yeah, I, I can remember my school. At my school, some of the girls in our group, um, all, all the girls in our group, had, Poison was their band that they yeah all liked. Right. Yeah. Well, I like Brett. Well, I like Ricky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And whenever Ricky's name come up, I think, really? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. You know, but they all had a different one. Yeah. And uh, sure. Poison was that band. More so than Motley Crue. You know, it was me that was in a Motley Crue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The girls were in the, in the Poison. Oh, yeah. Well, they were more, I don't know. But that's so funny because I, 
Um, that's where, like, um, I did, um, uh, I talked to Jeff. No, I, ta- I remember talking to Dave Ellison uh, recently. Right, yeah. Lovely guy. Yeah, and he said that about the whole Poison thing and all that as well, that he came to Capitol Records and, and there were all these girls and they were all like, you know, screaming for Poison or whatever. And he couldn't really understand it because Poison kind of looked like girls. So he thought, hey, you know, how does this work? I mean, all are they all lesbians or whatever? But <laughs> that whole thing was that, you know, the more, I think the more the guys wore makeup and, you know, the, the the hairspray and all that, the more they looked like girls, the more girls they got for some weird yeah. reason. Yeah. I don't get that at all. Oh, that was but uh, a weird scene. But that's another thing, speaking about Guns N' Roses, that another thing from Rick Browdy was that the first day they re- started recording, uh, that same night they went out to, if I can't remember if it was the Troubadour or whatever, but they went to see Guns N' Roses, and Guns N' Roses hadn't been signed yet. So they're standing there in the club watching Guns N' Roses. It's, uh, I think it's CeCe, Bobby Dole, and Brett Michaels. Right. And Rick Browdy turns to them and says, whatever you guys do, whatever, how many albums you put out, you will never be as good as these guys. Really? Yeah. It kind of killed the mood. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. Um, alrighty, we're going to play some music. This is uh, one of the singles. I won't forget you. saying okay so just before i won't forget you you're saying that uh that would never be as good as guns and roses yeah uh, history would prove that however True. however this band started off better than guns and roses guns and roses guns and roses stalled at the start yeah you know? like they've gone on to be the biggest selling debut album <laughs> it took a while it took it took a while and if you could you tune in next week i think we'll we'll let's sit down and talk yeah, about absolutely appetite for destruction absolutely. next week yep hell yeah <clears throat> so everyone tune in next week but um, but that album did stall. You yep. know, it's it's now it sold like forty million records or whatever. Yep. Um, but it stuck at two hundred thousand. You know, seven months in or something, it was right. stuck at two hundred thousand and yep. wasn't moving, which is not a bad in in today's times. Not a bad number of albums. No. But back then it wasn't great. Um, this record, you know, had had sold two million records. Yep. Like. Within six months. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so that's a lot of records. It is. It is. I read somewhere that they've actually sold around forty-five million records altogether. Poison, which is, you know, that's a lot of records. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I agree with that. Um, well, I've heard that those kind of names. Yep. But where are those records? Yeah. Like, like um, to me, Poison is, you know, it's uh, it's me, this album. It's the two first albums for me. It's the two first albums, and then Flesh and Blood after yeah, that. Yeah. It sold, I know it sold like seven or eight million records. Yeah. How, I don't know. No. Because it's got one good song. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, where, where's the rest of the no. record sold? No, I never bothered about, um, loved the first album, thought the second one, opened up and say, ah, oh, was pretty cool. But uh, after that, I never cared about Poison again. And, and, and I have, I think I have those other albums as well, like Flesh and Blood and that. 
but I rarely listen to him. If I if I put on a Poison record, it is one of those two first ones. Absolutely. Um, and I think they were at their best back then, especially the first one, and and the second one was. Um, the second one has, and same with Flesh and Blood has something to believe in, which I think is a really good song. Yeah, yeah, but but open up and say ha has. In my mind, a lot of filler songs. Yep. But when they get it right, yep. they hit it out of the park. Yeah. Like in for that era, you can't really judge it now, but for that era, uh, Fallen Angel was a great, great song. Oh, hell yeah. And Nothing But A Good Time yeah. was a really, really great song. Absolutely. And Every Rose Has Its Thorn is just a monster. It, you know, it's kind of like a perfect 80s ballad. It's like One of Dead or Alive, which we talked yeah. about. Um, Massive. A, you know, a, a, another time on Behind the Vinyl. Yeah. Every Rose was just a game changer song. And that probably sold them. That song alone probably sold them sure. five or six million sure. records. You know? Another song that Rick Browdy claims. <clears throat> really? Yeah. How does he the claim st- that? No, the story to... was that he um, he says that Every Rose Has His Thorn is stolen. And he had heard from uh, people at MTV that it was a guy named Leif Garrett who wrote it. Leif Garrett? I know yeah. who Leif Garrett yeah. is. Yeah. Kind of a Sean Cassidy kind of character. Exactly. Uh, apparently, uh, well, he released some albums in the 70s, and apparently he was in some kind of, um, well, he led a hard life, did a lot of drugs and stuff, and uh, later on he crashed his car, and apparently the passenger got paralyzed or something. And Rick Browdy said that MTV did something about this, uh, and reunited Leif Garrett with the passenger or whatever it was. And around that time, he wrote that song. And um, and he said, uh, well, at least that's what I heard That's what I heard from people working at MTV. You know, I don't know. I, I, I love the song. It's a great song. Great song. And there's a story of Brett Michaels, you know, he he'd, I think he'd split up with his girlfriend. He wrote it at a, a laundromat or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. Well, I think he was out on the road and she... Yeah, something uh, like that, yeah. No, exactly. He called home yeah. and some other guy answered the phone or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but who was that girl? Yeah. <laughs> who was that girl? Because if you, if you go back in time, yeah. you know, that's potentially around his Pamela Anderson... Um, stage. Was it dating her? I think at that was, time he was dating her. Was that in, later on? No, wasn't it? I thought I think that was later before. On. I thought that was before Open Up. No, 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 no. no. Jesus Christ, no. You don't think so? No, because they, 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 I remember there's um, there's a clip from uh, MTV Awards uh, where, and it's Brett and Pamela is wearing some big ass hat or something, and that's got to be later on. When did Pamela marry Tommy Lee? Um. Yeah. When was that? Like late nineties, perhaps something. I don't no, know. no, 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 no. Wasn't. No chance. What do you think then? Early two thousand? No. Um. Or even earlier? No, I think early, man. You think? Okay. Yeah. Gotta Google. I, I don't know when. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta Google that I'm stuff. Google that stuff. <laughs> so talk, and I'll, I'll quickly Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that movie they did. <laughs> Well, well, as Brett did as well <laughs> with that, the same woman, Pamela. <laughs> that movie come out in the uh, in the mid nineties. Yeah, maybe it did. Yeah, and Brett Michaels, of course, also did a whole movie with, with Pamela, Pamela Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. Now, if you want to Where go he, back and check the <laughs> check the date of that, you'd you'd be more likely. Uh, he married Pamela Anderson in nineteen ninety five. Oh, he did that early. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay, so Brett was before that. Brett was much before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was was Brett before? Brett was after Scott Bayo. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, great home video. Yeah. Brett spends more time checking his hair. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. true. There was a not to diss Brett too much, but um, he got sick. He had a brain aneurysm or, or um, something like that. I remember. I just remember he he got hit in the head from some stage thing. We got hit. Have and you he seen got, that? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's classic. That's yeah, great. And, it, and there's a picture of him in the hospital wearing the banana when well, he's in the bed. That's from when he had the brain hemorrhage. It was okay. okay yeah. All right. Okay. So he's he's dead. Okay, and they're told to bring the family in. Well, he's not dead, but he's 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 serious condition, right? Yeah, serious condition. Supposedly, only if he, you know, only for the fact that they acted so quickly. Oh, okay. That they managed to get him to hospital quickly. Right, right, right. Sorted out. Yeah. yeah. um, They also said, yeah, bring the kids in because this could be the end of. Okay. Yeah, it was meant to be really bad. Wow. However, he's lying in bed with all the pipes sticking out of him. And a bandana. Exactly. It's classic. It's <laughs> I love it. Really? Yeah. Which, which begs look the good. question, what's under that bandana? Oh, hell yeah. Because if you see that, I, I got a feeling he's wearing a wig, man. Oh, he's got to. You know? You know. Yeah, if you see him today, he's still got that bandana. Every, you know, every single picture of him today, he's wearing that bandana. And the hair looks like, you know, you don't have hair like that when you're in that age. No, no. N- not even close. And it looks thicker today than it did back then. <laughs> so there's, I don't know, there's something going on there. That's crazy. Alrighty, we're going to play um, title track from the record. Look what the cat dragged in. Poison, look what the cat dragged in on uh, Behind the Vinyl Pirate Rock Radio. So I was in LA maybe a year ago, mm. and um, Robbie Crane, the, the current bass player of uh, Black Star Riders. Yes. Uh, featuring uh, Ricky Warwick and, and also Scott, Scott Gorham, Gorham yeah. from Thin Lizzy. Um, Robbie Crane was also in Rat for a while. I mm-hmm. think he was also in Vince Neil's band for yep. a while. Played with Steven Adler. Play with Stephen Adler, yep. absolutely. So he was kind of showing me. Uh, we went on this thing, and he he showed us around LA. Oh right, this yep. is this is where this is the rainbow. This is the Roxy. This yep. is this. This is that. You know, we took a bunch of competition winners over there. Ah. <clears throat> and he used to be the uh, he was the bass tech for Bobby Doll. Yes, at the be- at the beginning, pre pre them signing. And he wasn't he like fifteen or sixteen yeah, or 15 something or like that, yeah. And and uh, pre them signing, and he was the man in L.A. Robbie, yeah. you know, he was friends with um, and lived on the same street as uh, Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili right. Peppers. Okay, and he just used to used to sell cocaine to Entwistle uh, <laughs> um, from yeah. from the Hulu, Who. Yeah, uh, just he's lived lived the life, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so he was telling me, hey, this is where we did. Um, this is where we had the album launch for Poison, and it okay. was in a car park, just, All right. just off uh, Sunset. Okay, and then we drove past this kind of little warehouse on, across the road, just off Sunset. And he's like, "Oh, that's where we filmed um, I Want Action." All right. Um, 
cool. or talk dirty to me. He said, that's where you feel yeah, okay. talk yeah. dirty to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just stuff like that. Tell me a few other poison stories. <laughs> imagine, imagine being like 15 or 16 and you're the base tech for Bobby Doll. Unbelievable. <laughs> that's, you know, <laughs> cool parents. Cool parents, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Because Poison did live the life, man. Oh, they really did. hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So then you had Brett Michaels' diabetes and all that. Brett Michaels. Which you brought up in every single interview, I think. Absolutely. From from seven years old, he's been yeah. diabetic. Yeah. Diabetic. Yeah. So, crazy. Yeah. But um, th- this was definitely also the one of those bands that profited from MTV. MTV, at this stage, was yes. at, their, at their peak, man. Yes. Yes, and and this is one of the bands that that really, you know, grabbed hold of. They did great videos, yeah, and ran with it, and sold oh, sure. a lot of records yep. to the support of MTV. Absolutely, yeah. I remember seeing them because I think they played. Um, was it California Jam or Texas Jam or whatever in nineteen? I think it's nineteen eighty seven, and um, they get Paul Stanley up there. I think it's on YouTube as well. Which was pretty cool, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they were they were really successful. They were big in the U.S. I don't think they ever got that big over here. They never played here. I think the first time they played here, they opened up for um, Van Halen, really, with Sammy Hagar, like in nineteen ninety <coughs> or ninety two or something like that. They played the globe in Stockholm. I think that was the first time they played here. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And they played quite recently in the last what five or six they years. They played Sweden Rock, Rock Festival, Festival, yeah, some yeah. years ago. Um I did see him in Australia. I c I can't remember when. I, I wanna say it was eighty nine. You're kidding. No. No. Eighty nine or ninety. Wow. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't wasn't any later than that. No. So it was yeah. one of the few. And I, you know what? I don't even. I don't even want to say that it was in ninety. I want to think that it was. It was before that. Okay. Maybe it wasn't. It was some somewhere around then. Right. Yeah. Um, definitely still at school. Um, yeah. It was one of the one of the few gigs I remember, which kids from my school went to. You know, especially okay. the, all the girls went to that that show, and it sold a lot of tickets too. It was yeah. A, it was a big show. It was a, it was an arena show. Cool. That's really cool. Um, cool. Also, uh, also, I remember that um, "Talk Dirty" to, "Talk Dirty" to me was um, an old song that C.C. Deville brought in from his band uh, Screaming Mimi's, right? Uh, which had a bit of a more punk feel to it, a bit of a more Ramones feel to it. Yeah, yeah. And then they gave it that whole poison. But the song is exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, Michael Wagner mixed the record. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's pretty interesting. Michael again, who did Skid Row. He did Skid Row. Yeah. Who, uh, original guitar player in Accept. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah, he's, he, absolutely. Absolutely. Living, living in Nashville at the moment. Everybody um, lives in Nashville these days. Everyone lives in Nashville, man. Yeah. So... And again, I think this album ended up selling like six million records or something like that. They did very well. I also heard Ricky Rocket say that they didn't think, or they looked at it as, okay, we'll do this one album, 
and um, but you know we'll we'll really come back and do album number two, and that's the one that's gonna get us to the next level. And they had no idea, and they were really surprised that look what the cat dragged in did as well as it did. Um, but um, thank you, MTV. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Can't remember who they toured with. I'm guessing that they must have gone out as a support act. Yeah, they in did. The they toured with um, yeah, they toured with Motley Crue. They toured with Rat. They toured with Whitesnake. Um, those are some of the tours I remember, and that's who they kind of played with. So, just and, and then and then I think they probably went from there into headlining. Yeah. So just thinking, you know, do you think Motley Crue and Poison together? Oh, Rat and Poison together. Maybe maybe more so Rat and Poison yeah. together. Yeah. At that time. But yeah, you know, at that time as well, the eighties, and and they're all party guys. It must have been constant mayhem. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story about um, famed photographer Ross Halfen and Poison? How they locked him and uh, oh yeah, yeah, him and Mick Wall. I think <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. Yeah. In the uh, in the closet. <laughs> yeah. So every, everyone can go and find that out. I don't I don't want to say too much because it'll uh, I don't want to get the story. No, it's a crazy story. Um. Mick Wall, I'm pretty sure it was Mick Wall and was, uh, yeah. Ross Halfin yeah. were writing for writing and taking photos for Kerrang magazine. So yeah. they flew from the UK over to somewhere in America to uh, to do a story. Um, the band knew that they were coming. Obviously, I'm guessing it's probably something about Ross they didn't like from the past. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so they said, okay, guys, come and wait for us in this room. So they put him in that room in the afternoon and they literally kept them there the whole time yeah <laughs> doors were locked kept him inside the room um occasionally someone would come in and they would go back out yeah so, no no no, they'll be in soon anyway the band went off and played the show and while the journalist and photographer was still stuck in the room and come back and i got a feeling <laughs> and then they had their showers and cleaned up yeah. and then i got a feeling they come in and said okay you got 10 minutes or yeah. something and Mick Wall and Ross were like, well, fuck it. Yeah, fuck <laughs> exactly. That. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. And, um, uh, and they ended up writing the story in Kerrang! and slagging them, you know, and tell, exactly. telling what, what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, fun story, but so check it out. You can find that on, uh, on, like, uh, on the internet somewhere. I'm sure our friend the Googler. Oh, will help definitely. Def- definitely. Um, um, should we, uh, should we end it there and play, play us out with Talk Dirty to Me? Oh, I remember buying that. Um, I bought that single, which I think was a single that turned into a poster. Oh, really? Yeah, seven inch. Still have it somewhere. I bought it in. Uh, bought it in the U.S. Um, yeah, um, I'm gonna go home and listen to "Look What the Cat Dragged In." Do that. Still Do that. gives me the chills every time I hear it. It brings you back to when you were 15 and you heard that album for the first time, and yeah. you were sitting there watching the. Uh, pictures of the band i actually got a hold of the woman who did the makeup for that album oh really yeah i found her on facebook and uh i um sent her a message why are you the 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 one that did the makeup for poison on that first album and she replied yeah yeah, absolutely well and because i wanted to ask her some questions and then it all kind of faded off and I never got to it but um, managed to reach her and I think also I, I remember talking to Athena uh, Tommy Lee's sister yeah. that she helped out Poison as well with, with makeup and stuff oh, like really? that for, for album covers and so on yeah interesting she was a young girl back then 
Very young girl. Absolutely. Cool. Um, alrighty. Nicholas? Yes. We'll see you next week. We'll Everyone enjoy this. Do. Talk dirty to me and um, check out the guitars in it. Nice and nice and prominent there. Yes. Way that I want